1: Welcome to a new episode of the Land Grant Sports Network Stick to Sports podcast. My name is Matt and on Stick to Sports. We do talk about Ohio State Athletics, but more often than not we avoid the Xs and Os and talk about all the things going on around the periphery of the games as well as whatever else is keeping us occupied and entertained in between. As always, I am joined by Land Grant's West Coast Bureau Chief Jamie Yurich. Jamie, you are back stateside after a few weeks abroad. How does Southern California compare to the plains of France?
0: I wish that I were on a farm in Normandy with a cute little donkey named Theo right now. But alas, I am here back in the States. Is not where I'd like to be, but it is where I am.
1: Okay. All right. I, I, no love for your, uh, for your podcast partner. That's fine. I'm not upset. I'm so we're, happy
0: to be back here with you, Matt whatever. Now, if only you could prepare me a meal like the ones that I ate in France, <laughs> no, then that I I can be
1: definitely the- not do that. Can definitely not do that. I can make you some decent spaghetti sauce for my grandmother's recipe, but beyond that, I got nothing. We're here, Jamie, because we have to talk about Ohio state's biggest test of the college football season thus far. No offense to the golden domers as the number three, Ohio state Buckeyes will take on the number seven Penn state Nittany lions on Saturday at 12 noon, Eastern time in a game that'll be broadcast on Fox Jamie, talking about Notre Dame, you were in London when the Buckeyes played the Fighting Irish. That game was a night game in the States. So it was a middle of the night game in the UK. Remind people what you did during that game.
0: Oh, I was so fast asleep. I woke up from the jet lag like once and checked my phone to see that my entire family was watching the game like normal fans were. And I I could see from their texts and then just quickly check the score that the game was going well. And so I thought, well, I'm a little bit superstitious, better not risk it, and just turned it off and went right back to, or put my phone down and went right back to sleep.
1: And what was the reason for that? Was it, I'm jet-lagged, I want to make sure that my trip is good and I, I want to get my sleep? Or was it something more deeply seated, something more neurotic, something more anxious at play.
0: Oh, it was definitely an anxiety. Um, I, as you all know, if you've been listening to this podcast for like any amount of time, I have familial ties to Notre Dame. I hate, hate the fighting Irish with like every fiber of my being. And My attitude was, now keep in mind, if I had been stateside, I would have had the game on, no question. But my attitude was, I have this convenient excuse to not watch this football game. If Ohio State wins, then I will be so happy to wake up to this news. And if they lose, like, why would I stay awake for that? There's no need. And so I just went to sleep.
1: So spinning that forward four weeks, you were back in the United States, Ohio State kicks off against Penn State at 9 a.m. your time out in Los Angeles. Will that same type of anxiety and nervousness, will that prevent you from watching the game on Saturday?
0: Um, You know, I keep kind of flip-flopping. I'm a very superstitious person, and so, especially where sports are concerned. This is born out of being a Cubs fan. Anyone who happens to be a Chicago sports fan who's listening – will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And so as a result, like there is a part of me that's like, well, this worked last time I shouldn't watch this game. Like I should do the right thing for the team and keep the game off. Um, But as Matt lovingly pointed out to me earlier, um, when we, before we were recording nothing that I do has any actual bearing on this game. So I will probably turn it on. Now I do have to say, like the 9 a.m. games are tricky because my boyfriend is not allowed to watch Ohio State football with me. He has only watched two football games with me, and they are the two that Ohio State lost last season. Um, so he's not allowed to watch football. And so it's gonna be tricky to like get this one on the screen without him messing up the mojo. So part of me is like, well, it worked for me to just sleep through it the last time. And he will probably mess up the mojo. What if I just like stay in bed?
1: Tyler, if you watch the game, I'm absolutely fly out there and beat you senseless.
0: He doesn't want to watch the game is the thing. So like he the best day of his life was when OSU lost to Georgia because it meant that he wasn't allowed to watch any more football which meant he didn't have to pretend to be supportive about it anymore because i vanished
1: where Where do you find these people? Seriously. Where, where do you, where do you find potential partners that don't care about the things that you care about? Like, are you, are you just settling Jamie? Like, is,
0: No, he would watch the games with me because they were important to me,
1: but he didn't want to watch. Them. Yeah. That's not enough. Like, look,
0: yeah, but I watch his movies because they're, it's important to him, but I don't really want to. You know, so like that's the trade off.
1: Fine. Fine. All right. So let's get into this game a little bit more in depth. And I like this idea of the nerves and everything going around this game. Obviously, both of these teams are undefeated and come in with a ton of momentum. The main difference between these two teams at this point is that Ohio State has had a marquee matchup this season. So we have a little bit of a better idea as to what this team is made of than we do Penn State because Penn State has not yet played a team of. They did open the season by playing West Virginia, which is a competent team. They also beat the tar out of Iowa, who I don't actually think is a very good team, but you know, they were ranked or whatever, and they are ranked now. But Ohio State went on the road, beat. Notre Dame and South Bend. So we have a little bit of a better idea as to who they are. Otherwise, Ohio State and Penn State are are fairly similar teams. Both have suffocating defenses. Ohio State has the number three scoring defense in the country. Penn State has number two. Penn State's offense has been a little bit better than Ohio State's this season. They are number five in the country, averaging 44.3 points per game. Ohio State comes in at number 21, averaging 36 points per game. But defense first teams, But I feel like outside of Buckeye Nation, Jamie, most college football watchers and even analysts are kind of already just assuming that Penn State is going to win and brushing the Buckeyes aside. Hopefully Ryan Day's coaching staff and and everybody is clipping all of those newspaper clippings in and putting them on the bulletin board. But it just feels like most people outside of our bubble assume that Penn State is going to win is that the same vibe you get on the other side of the country right now
0: oh absolutely I think that and I can't actually decide Matt whether that is what's making me nervous or whether that is a thing that like should give me some comfort because I feel like often when that's the way that the media and people are speaking about games it's motivation for teams so like maybe that will motivate the Buckeyes to prove everybody wrong. I can't quite figure out like whether that is the cause of my nerves or whether like maybe they're right. And I low key agree with them, you know?
1: If, if it's not the cause of your nerves, what do you think the cause might be?
0: So much of football and so much of football analysis is trying to pin down a lot of things to statistics, to X's and O's. Um, And sometimes you get two teams that are pretty evenly matched on paper um, or their strengths are different from each other enough that you don't really know which one's going to win out in a game. And then those kind of games come down to intangibles. And I think that the thing that really scares me about this Penn State team is like, it's an energy. You can tell when a team is really gelling. And I think Ohio State has had some injuries that are concerning. It They've got off to a little bit of a slow start. I think they're starting to find their groove, but I think Penn State's already found theirs. And that worries me Um, in a way that, like, I don't know – if Ohio state has enough pieces or if it's a well-oiled enough machine right now in the season to win.
1: Let me ask this question. I feel like because we follow Ohio state, we cover Ohio state, we are Ohio state fans. We are much more aware of their flaws than we are of the flaws of their opponents, whether it's, Penn State, Michigan, Western Kentucky, whomever. Do you think that, at least from a Buckeye perspective, that we are always going to assume that the team is not as good as maybe it actually is? Or is just the general arrogance of Ohio Ohio State football fans en masse going to make us think that they are better than they actually are because i can see it both ways i generally pick ohio state to win no matter what although i am somebody who gets a lot of people mad online when i point out the flaws that i see in ohio state's team so it's hard for me to say like is, is are penn state fans right now very confident in their team and and have like no qualms with anything that's happened or are they like ohio state fans as well when they have like a laundry list of things that they can nitpick for from out the from the first half of the season where they too are terrified that Ohio state is going to exploit those. And we just don't know that because we're not on the inside of Nittany lion football.
0: You know, that's a great question. I think that I I also think that there's this thing that I certainly do where I almost feel like I have to point out the flaws in Ohio state football in order to be fair, because otherwise I feel like I'm coming off as a Homer and there are, the Fair. reality of like Ohio State as a as a team in any given season is like they are one of the best teams in college football. Even when they're bad for Ohio State standards, they're still better than most teams in the pool. And so I do think there's like always the chance that they're going to win a football game. And I, I always kind of worry that if I don't caveat that with like, these are the ways that it could go wrong for them. People are going to assume that I'm saying they'll win because I went to Ohio State and not because they are a football dynasty. It's, But I would say the same thing of like Nick Saban's Alabama, who I hate, is like in their worst season, there is always a chance that they could beat the best team in the country because they have a coach who knows what he's doing and they're just never that far off from being great. But I do feel like I kind of always have to like caveat any analysis with like these are the things that make me nervous because if I don't point out the right. flaws and people will be like oh well you don't actually know what you're talking about you're just gonna pick them to win because you went there.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fair. There's always a little bit of a requirement to put everything into the framework of I know you think most Ohio State fans are obnoxious homers. So I'm going to tell you here's the like the bad things before I go out and be an obnoxious homer about it. So like I, I totally understand where that.
0: A lot of Ohio State fans are obnoxious homers.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Like I, I say this all the time. If I didn't go to Ohio State, if I wasn't one of them, I would I would hate Ohio State fans. But I'm one of them and we win a lot of games and it's fun And so like, I don't, you know, but it's like, if I, if I were on the receiving end, the way that I feel about Notre Dame fans, anyone who feels that way about Ohio state fans is like probably very valid.
1: We all like Ohio state, they've had these things come out in the past few weeks, like has by far the largest fandom in all of college sports by, by like hundreds of thousands of, of, of fans more than the number two team, according to whatever these analytics are. But the thing with that means is that as as fun as that is to know that we are the largest fan base in the country, that also means that you have a larger, you know, a larger possibility, a larger pool of idiots. And I know some people it's think that we what's that?
0: I said, there it is. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it.
1: And I, I, I get a little annoyed because I think people look at. At our website and podcast, because we are as big as we are, and think that anytime we point out negative things and weaknesses, that we are somehow like part of those idiots, and we are part of like these people who hate everything. That's like we are the biggest homers in the world. We are just bigger than any other blog, and we are in the same stratosphere in terms of following as like actual beat reporters. And we just don't do that. We're a blog. We're a bunch of fans. So we point out things that the beat writers can't because they are afraid that they're going to called on it and they could potentially lose access. So when things aren't going well, we're going to tell you they aren't going well. So it makes us look like a bunch of of trolls at times. And that's not true. And the people who generally think that are the obnoxious fans who like make every single thing about their personality contingent on Ohio State's success. And and so I think that coming into a game like this when you're playing a team that is admittedly very good in Penn State this season, it's hard to kind of balance the objective with the obsessive. And like we are all obsessive Ohio State fans, we all love Ohio State, but we also have to be able to balance like how much of that fandom colors my judgment of the game. So I go into any of these big games feeling confident, but having a little voice in the back of my mind saying, yeah, but are you really like, is this really something that you're confident about? Or are you just a Homer and you don't have the objectivity to differentiate between what you want to be true and what is actually true. So at this point, I, I, I feel pretty confident mainly because Penn state just doesn't have a track record of beating Ohio state, especially in Columbus. So maybe it'll just be, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. And you know, maybe Penn state will show it to us this year, but until they do, I just find it really hard to believe that, that they're going to, to beat Ohio state. I mean, they have not beaten Ohio state in Columbus since 2011, Show me. That's my thing, I guess, is, is, is show me. So
0: I think that's fair. I think, speaking of fandoms, though, like the thing that, that worries me is just as Ohio State fans are, um, like often loud and obnoxious, and, and frankly, like can generally put our money where our mouth is, Penn State fans are also very passionate and they're a smaller fan base yes. than ours, but not by much. And they're a rowdy bunch. Um, and I do think there is, um, m- A motivation for the team to give the fans like a big win like their the fan their fans are overdue for that kind of big like give me a reason to brag about this kind of win and so I that that makes me a little nervous because I think this is that kind of a win for them like no one will have a bigger field day if they win than Penn State fans it's like I think the Penn State fans would be far worse. It would be far worse, like, for my mental health to lose to Penn State in Columbus than to lose to Michigan because I expect Michigan fans to be obnoxious to me at baseline, but Penn State fans, I typically don't expect them to, like, be able to back it up. So it will be worse if they then can can back it up for the next year.
1: All right, Jamie, let's take a real quick break before we wrap up this episode of Stick to Sports with our recommendations. All right, welcome back to the Land Grant Podcast Network Stick to Sports Podcast. We talk all things Ohio State, but then we also talk about the things that we enjoy doing outside of the college football world. So, Jamie, you have been traveling around the world. You are now back. I I assume you had some time to read things, to watch things, to do things outside of a sports-related area. So tell me what your recommendation is for this week.
0: Yeah, so I recently finished the book Eleanor and Park. It came out a while ago. It's a really nice like, little love story kind of light and easy, um, read, if that's your vibe, but what I'm really looking forward to, and I've not seen it yet. So I'm recommending it based on the fact that this is the the thing to do this weekend is, um, the new Scorsese movie that comes out tomorrow. Um, killers of the flower moon. And I did recently read the book. I really wanted to finish it before the movie came out. It was excellent. I think, I trust Martin Scorsese with my life. So um, I, I'm i really excited about this one. I will be seated tomorrow, and I would love to hear what everybody has to think when they when they see it.
1: Very cool. Um, mine is a little different. So you were in Europe. I was in New York City here recently for a week, seeing a bunch of shows as I am want to do. And Jamie, I made my first Trek ever. Out to Milburn, New Jersey. And I know you know what that means.
0: I do know what that means.
1: That means I went to the Paper Mill Playhouse, one of the most revered regional theaters in the United States. They often host world premiere productions of things that do eventually go to Broadway. And I went to see the very first ever performance of the new Great Gatsby musical there are actually two great Gatsby musicals that are in development. Another one will be taking place at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts next spring. But this one stars two people that I think are the voices of their generation, Jeremy Jordan as Jay Gatsby and Eva Noblezada as Daisy Buchanan. Also in there was Sam Polly, Noah Ricketts, uh, Sarah Chase, a, a great, phenomenal cast. Knowing who the songwriters were for this show, Jamie, I went in with incredibly low expectations. I saw the press preview performances that they did. I was underwhelmed, to say the least. I was going because the cast is amazing and it was a cool opportunity to be able to go see the very first preview performance ever of a new musical And I was a little intrigued because I thought, why would Eva, why would Jeremy, why would Sam go do this show if the material wasn't up to snuff? Well, I can very happily report that the show is not awful. The show was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And in fact, was actually probably a good show. I don't know that it is better than good. It is still not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. The lyrics are pedestrian. No one knows how to write in in metaphor anymore. That is very straightforward. They It basically feels like the writers wrote a musical based off of a book report that was based off of Wikipedia, not even Cliff Notes, because at least in Cliff Notes will tell you all of like, the the themes and uh, uh, you know and all of the dramatic usage of of motifs and stuff like that there it was very straightforward it was very much a Wikipedia thing basically all of the songs were based on like the biggest lines in the in the book and it was just like talking about the the green light or... There my, is a song
0: called The Green Light, right?
1: There is. There is a song called The Green Light. As a former high school English teacher who taught American Lit and taught this book, I hate it more than you can know. There's also a song about, like, what is it, Beautiful Little Fool or something, or Pretty Little Fool. That's also a song that Eva Noblezada sings as Daisy. So it's kind of ridiculous. But the one thing I will say about the songs is... They are designed perfectly to highlight what is incredible about the voices of the singers, especially Jeremy and Eva. And like I said, they have, I, I think, Jeremy is the best male voice of his generation. Eva Noblezada is the best female voice of her generation. And they use that talent to everything that it's it's capable of. And they are stunning. They sound amazing. Um, Sam Polly also doesn't get as much to sing, but is fantastic. I, and I want her to now only wear her hair in a bob because she looks great as Jordan Baker with the uh, the bob haircut. Noah Ricketts is great. A- 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 the cast is, is mostly fantastic. They also owe Baz Lorman and his wife, Catherine Martin, who is his production designer, like a royalty because they basically just stole the film set in production design <laughs> for this. But... It's not awful, and I expected it to be awful. There are many, many things that I would change in this show, but I thought it was going to be terrible, and I thought there was no reason why this one should come to Broadway over the one that is that will have a, a book by Pulitzer Prize winner Martina Mayoke and a score by Florence and the Machines' Florence Welsh. I now understand why they want to bring this to Broadway because it does allow two of the best singers you're ever going to hear to absolutely wail. So do I have hesitations? tons but it wasn't awful and when you go into a show thinking it's going to suck that's at least a a a win in my book jamie
0: totally um okay i do need to know one thing this is a pet peeve of mine i love the great gatsby i realize that is kind of a considered a hot take these days um But the great gatsby was not taught to me as a love story which i think is where people get tripped up when it's taught to you as a love story it's trash because it's 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 not meant to be a love story but if you look at it through that lens then yes of course you think it's trash because their relationship is toxic and terrible it is meant to be an indictment on the, the rich essentially
1: Yes, materialism, capitalism, obsession, possession. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All of that. So that's how it was taught to me. And I love The Great Gatsby. I'm a Gatsby apologist. But I'm curious, did the, did the show, was the lens a love story or was the lens an indictment of obsession and materialism?
1: There was absolutely... Zero indictments on anything whatsoever. This is a Disney fairy tale love story with a tragic end. So much so that they also took the relationship between Nick and Jordan and turned it into a fairly homogenous, almost Hallmarky love story as well. So that was one of my major issues. It's like you. Don't, that's what I mean. That's like they just read the cliff notes or they didn't even read the cliff notes. They just read the Wikipedia and like you don't get the book. And I'm not saying that the authors don't get the book I, or the, the writers of the musical. I think they probably do get it, but they opted not to do that because it's not as easily adapted to a musical where I think actually if they'd have done it that way, it would have been a more interesting musical, which is I'm assuming from everything I've heard about the Florence Welsh version that is not only going to be about those things, but it's also going to be very gay. (laughs) Like there's going to be a lot of, of, of queer either coded or actually identifying characters in that version, which I think is a very valid take as well as somebody who has taught this. Um, But yes, this was a 100% Disney esque version of the great Gatsby.
0: Fascinating. I was, I was worried about that and I did need to just like, mentally prepare myself going in um so i'm happy that you went in first to
1: <laughs> send me. yeah you're welcome you're welcome
0: now that i like know what what to expect which is i think what i what i thought it would be um now i can go in fully prepared
1: All right, everybody, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stick to Sports here on the Land Grant Podcast Network. If you want to follow us, make sure that you are subscribed to the Land Grant Podcast Network wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. You can follow us on social media at Grant 33 You can follow me at Matt. You can follow Jamie at Jamie Jurich, J-A-M-I-J-U-R-I-C-H. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.